Hi there, listener, and welcome to the second in our series of podcasts covering the best snow sports equipment available for winter 2024. Uh, in our first instalment, we looked at the best skis, and today we're going to be looking at the best ski boots, with later episodes covering the best jackets, helmets, goggles, gloves, and socks. Uh, now, before I go on, I'd like to put a shout out for Ellis Brigham. This special episode of the Ski Podcast has been made possible by them. Ellis Brigham are the winter sports specialist with 16 shops around the UK. We can find all the kit you need for this winter. Alternatively, simply go to their website at ellis-brigham.com and you can buy online now. Now, my name is Ian Martin and today I'm joined by my regular guest and equipment expert, Al Morgan. Hi, Al. How are you? Ian, I am great. I've just come back from skiing my first trip of the season and I'm pretty excited. Given uh, how the snow is looking out there just now, that makes sense. And, you know, I think uh, we're, we're going to be, if you can have such a thing on a podcast, uh, giving some info hot off the press because uh, you were testing some equipment out there. But we'll we'll come on to that uh, later. Just tell me, though, you're in the Dolomites. What were the snow conditions like? Well, we skied on one day when it was amazing. It was one of those dream days. Next day, pea soup couldn't see a thing. So, so, yeah, so you know, you take what you can get, don't you? Okay, but uh, I, I guess if you're if you're testing boots and skis, it's how it feels kind of uh, underfoot. But as um, Obi Wan Kenobi said, you have to let go of your conscious self and act on instinct. Uh, now, today we're going to be looking at the uh, best options at the top, middle, and entry points of the market, and explaining some of the key bits of jargon that you might need to know about ski boots without going too technical. Now, listener, if you really are interested to know more about ski boots and all of that jargon I mentioned, we have a ski boot special episode, which Al was on, also uh, Colin Martin. And there is so much detail in there. I strongly recommend you listen to it. And I'll put a link into the uh, show notes. It is actually the most listened to episode of the ski podcast ever. So lots of people are using it to find out more about ski boots. However, couple of points that came out of that podcast were function. Don't buy ski boots to match your outfit. I think, as Colin said, they're, they're tools, not jewels. And uh, secondly, you know, we strongly recommend that you work with a boot fitter. Again, Colin has a, a gift for phraseology. Uh, like, a, like a wand in Harry Potter, the ski boot chooses your foot. <laughs> uh, Al, I wondered if you just had any views about, you know, working with a boot fitter as opposed to simply buying online. What a difference. I mean, there is a hashtag that gets banded about the internet can't fit your boots. And it is so true. These are a technical piece of equipment and they are they don't fit in the same way as a trainer they're not the same sizing so you can't really compare so you have to go to a boot fitter because this is a hard plastic shell they can customize it if you want the best performance if you want the best comfort if you want your ski boots to help you go to a boot fitter get it sorted get a good footbed in there it makes a big difference listen to what he says in that episode and go to your local boot fitter and support them i'm not just saying this because i want to kind of like support boot fitters per se i'm saying it because it genuinely makes an important difference if you think about your uh, feet but i mentioned that ski boot uh, special episode you can have a listen to that but when you're talking about the ski boots in this episode al you're going to be referring to some of the you know the technical uh, elements of them so let's just tackle a few of those things now i guess it, as simply as possible a few things you're going to mention are going to be i'm going to bring them up maybe you could just explain what they are firstly cuff what's the cuff so the cuff is the part of the boot that sits around your leg but when we use the term cuff we're typically talking about the plastic outer part of the boot that goes around your leg okay is that different from the shell 
Yes, so the shell can be a confusing term. The shell really means the plastic part of the boot that sits around your foot, but the shell can also mean the whole outer plastic. But in this, we're going to talk about the shell as the bit around your foot and the cuff a bit around your leg, and this is about the plastic bit on the outside. Okay, and then, you know, this probably sounds self-explanatory, but the liner is the bit on the inside, right? Yes, so the liner is the padded bit that goes all the way down your leg along your foot, over the top of your foot and up your shin. So the bit on your shin is called the tongue. And then, and then, yeah, you, so that's a padded liner and they're generally customizable. And that's what gives you warmth. That's what gives you comfort and fit. Right. And you've already mentioned footbeds, but the footbed sits at the bottom. Your, your foot is resting on it. There are a lot of different footbeds. I mean, I've explained that uh, uh, correctly, right? Yes, absolutely right. Don't get confused when you go and buy a ski boot that the piece of flat foam in there is what you're going to ski on that is to take up the space of a normal footbed so you can try the boot on that comes out and then you get a shaped footbed that goes in there now just remember that our feet is a, are really dynamic structures they give us shock absorbency they give us power in sport skiing is a sport but a ski boot is rigid so you need that in there to help the foot deal with it to help you deal with impacts when you're skiing and to give you more comfort more performance and actually warmer feet because you get better blood flow there's a whole load of research goes on around it but it's definitely worth it but what you're talking about there for example i have custom insoles that were molded for me and created for me you know when i went to uh, pro feet yeah most ski boots are going to come with just a, a, a regular footbed would you be suggesting that most people get something custom or can you actually just ski on the footbeds that, uh, you know, boots are supplied with? Are they good enough for that? The footbeds that come in a ski boot are not for skiing. They are just for trying the ski boots on. Some are a bit more shaped, but they are there so you can try it on in the shop rather than having to put a, a, a footbed in each. You do not have to get a custom footbed. There are pre-molded ones. And the price can vary. You may be going from, say, 30, 40 pounds up to, you know, you can get, medical orthotics and these can cost hundreds of pounds and if you use a medical orthotic take that with you when you get fitted for footbeds but when you're getting new ski boots factor in the price of a footbed or take those along and not and, and often really you want to get new socks as well because you're gonna you want to get the ski boot fitted around the sock that you'll be wearing because a sock makes a huge difference to how it fits yeah and that and that is a really valid point when you talk about like buying online you're never going to uh, understand uh, uh, that as well no. Um, okay, so we've looked at the actual uh, boot itself on the outside. Key around the outside are the buckles, and I'm going to bring this into play uh, boa as well. Do you just want to explain yeah. kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah, so if you just step into a plastic tube and a plastic shape around your foot, which is what the ski boot is, you need to close it. So it's closure systems. These have really been buckled, so a metal buckle with a ladder and a catch, and then around the top of the boot is something that we call a power strap. I'll talk about that in a sec. But yeah, so the buckles, it closes it. And then in recent years, people have combined buckles with cables. And you get, especially in the touring world, but we do see this in Alpine as well. But for this year, BOA is, is they make uh, dial and cable closure systems for very sports golf running, all sorts of things, medical um you know, like whether you're going to get some kind of device to support your knee or your back or whatever, you can have boa closures on that. But for ski boots, for the first time ever, they have one with a really catchy title called the Boa H Plus I1. It's the strongest tension cable they've got, hence H Plus, and you can micro dial it in and out for tension. That's the, that's the I, the index out, and it's the first iteration, so the one. 
But yeah, it gives an amazing wrap around the foot, but it's only on the shell. Yeah, well, we talked about uh, the BOA uh, binding system in episode 187 in a lot of detail. So you can listen to that there. But generally, in terms of uh, uh, buckles, then, uh, you know, if it, if it was a buckled boot, how many buckles would there be? We normally look at four these days or three. Often it's four. It, it depends on, on the boot. So if I just turn my classic, I'll take a step back. So most ski boots that you think of have a shell around the foot and a cuff around the leg some ski boots will have a separate plastic tongue down the front so you can have a two-piece boot shell and cuff or a three-piece boot often called a cabrio boot that has a shell cuff and tongue some will have two buckles you can get ski boots with two buckles some will have three but most especially in a two-piece boot will have four buckles and then a strap around the top generally velcro and static some have a claw strap so you mentioned before about uh, the power strap and you talk about a strap around the top there. Well, yes. Are they the same thing? I mean, every boot has that strap around the top, right? The vast majority, it's a, a static strap and has Velcro to hold it in place where you've adjusted it. Some you can have a buckle combined with that. We see that in free riding touring boots. And some on the higher end models, which comes from the race world, has a claw strap. So you feed the webbing through a tooth strap and pull back on it, like if you've got refract straps, that kind of thing. But there has been a brand around for decades called Booster, which is elasticated. It's got a claw you you pull on it and the elastic helps wrap the boot around your leg and gives you an amazing energy and rebound when you're skiing. Their patent expired recently. So we're seeing okay. brands bringing out their own elasticated strap, which is fantastic. So another thing that will probably crop up in conversation is walk mode in boots and something called grip walk. Do you want to explain what we're talking about there? Yes. Okay. So a walk mode is a switch generally on the back of the boot sometimes it's on the side so when you're skiing the cuff is pretty much locked to the shell you've got this angle and when you flex forward that gives you power through the boot and that drives the ski when you're walking that means your legs fixed in this position so it's not a natural walking motion so you have this lever to release the motion between the cuff and the shell that's a walk mode some it's just for getting about town but you see a lot more in free ride and touring boots and really you can call it a hike and ski switch because that's what it's about but if you're going to walk around you want some kind of purchase typically ski boots underneath have been hard flat plastic soles and that's what we call an alpine sole that existed and then there are touring soles for when you're going hiking around rocks and going up in big mountain and that's curved and grippy but you don't get the same power for when you're skiing so some bright spark came up with a combination of the two. So you get a curved, grippy sole, hence grip walk, and it gives you that more natural walking motion. But it has hard, flat plastic in it, so you've got drive, power, and most importantly, safety of release from the binding. But if you buy a grip walk boot and you've got an old ski, make sure that it's going to work with that ski. Most grip walk sole boots, the modern ones, you can swap that insert out for a standard flat alpine one if you need to but you'll have to pay for that new sole unit okay that's really interesting now there are a, a whole bunch of other elements of uh of let's say jargon and technical things which i'm not going to propose that we go into here hmm. we we did cover pretty much all of them in that ski boot special episode i'm talking here about things like canting pivot last volume mondo point which is just a ski <laughs> specific way of describing your size you don't need to worry about these sort of things if you're going to see a uh, boot fitter 
The one thing that I will um, ask you about is flex. In the descriptions of the boots, you know, they have a number attached to them. And that relates to the flex, doesn't it? Yes. Flex is a really interesting topic. And it can be very confusing. The easiest way to think about it, a lower number in flex. So for men, you might be looking at around 80. For women, it may be around 70, 65, 75. That is generally if you're new to skiing or you're very light weight or you don't need that support and drive through it. And then it goes all the way up to typically 115, 120 for women or, or 130 for men. You can go stiffer for racing, but that's where we'll stick because this is, this is recreational boots. And a stiffer boot is generally for somebody who's heavier, skis with more power, has more drive through the boot. Normally, men are looking at 120 as the top end. 130 is quite stiff. And women, you're looking at 105 or 115 uh, as the upper end. It's not standardized. If a boot fits you well and it's a stiffer rated flex, you may be able to bend the cuff more than a boot that doesn't fit you well. And this is why we come back to you need to go to a good boot fitter who's going to help you get in the right boot for you. OK, excellent. So we covered a lot of, uh, you know, the, the the background. Hopefully, listener, you've got a, a sense of what we're going to be talking about. But before we go on to talk about your picks, your, your best boots for this winter, I just wanted to touch on sustainability. You know, we mentioned this in the ski side of things. So much of the innovation we're seeing at the moment is in the air of sustainability and we're covering that in every episode of these equipment specials i wondered how what the the kind of big changes and trends we're seeing this year in terms of ski boots are this is the area in if people listen back to the ski one there's lots of new things happening in the space for skis but for boots sustainability story has been around for a while plastics have been recycled for years and ski boots are made of plastic so the recycled component, whereby an old ski boot can be taken and a new one be made from it, then that, that's been around for ages using waste material. So when we spoke about a 130 flex boot, for example, you cannot make currently a 130 flex boot out of recycled material. Because the recycled materials coming in are a mixture of different plastics, we can't get the stiffness that we need for that kind of boot. So you're generally looking at up to, say, an 80 flex boot in recycled materials, and they can only be black. We haven't yet oh, okay. come up with a way of how to get colour in because all the plastics are different colours. Okay, that's interesting. And so that's re reusage of, of plastic. And then, you know, some of those old boots, you know, th that plastic can then be used and transferred to other industries. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's used in lots of different things. So when you make a plastic boot, there are there's wastage. And those plastics go off and make fruit crates you know markets when all the fruit sitting in plastic crates that yep. gets made for that and uh, other things that uh, they're doing with ski boots that have like reached end of life is that the liners can be used as well elsewhere in in resorts yeah so lots of brands are, are, are recycling liners and, and being able to use a component of those in their liners so dalbello do things like this with their new cabrio liners which are pretty exciting um but actually, I'd, I only found out about this recently. So, you know, the plastic pads around the bottom of lift pylons, those orange yeah. pads that everybody sees around resort. So they've got mm -hmm. foam inside them. They're now starting to use ski boot liners, recycle the foam out of those into those pads, and it actually increases the safety of their pads. They are, they are more efficient if they're made out of these recycled foams than out of the virgin materials they were making them from. I wonder who tested that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 not me. I'm not being that tested. Uh, and, and then the buckles themselves, you know, those can be melted down and reused as well. 
Yes, exactly. So, I mean, that's metal. Metal's pretty simple. We can, we can recycle that. A lot of liners had PVC in it, so we're trying to get away from things like perfluorinated co compounds. So the vast majority of liners now are PVC-free. Power straps, it was used really heavily in that strap around the top of the boot, that Velcro strap that we referred to. They're nearly all PVC-free now, and this is brilliant that we're seeing this. But even in, like, the pull loops on tongues, we're getting recycled materials in there. They're just looking at these things in a far more um, holistic way now. It's not, this isn't a marketing story. And actually, it helps to bring the cost of boots down as well. Because they can, if they're using recycled materials in boots, they can drop the price. I think the manufacturing cost drops by about 7%. Uh, I mean, we love those win-win situations. You see that in resort operations themselves, where, you know, post the, uh, the energy crisis, a resort started to announce that they were going to run lifts more slowly if there weren't as many people using yeah. them. And, you know, it's imperceptible to the uh, consumer. But it's a win because it saves, uh, uh, you know, energy and saves costs, you know, at the same time. Right, let's move on to the boots then. So we're talking about boots for winter 2020. No, yeah. we're still in 2023 at the moment, but we're talking about mainly this winter. So with the caveat that the ski boot chooses your foot, <laughs> what are the five picks of your uh, your best ski boots for this winter then? So I'm actually going to start at the bottom end and work up because then at the top end for price, I'm also going to talk about touring. So at the lower end, I said the softer flex as you're looking around kind of 88 85 flex ski boots can be really expensive when i'm talking about touring boots one of the boots i'm going to cover is around 700 pounds i mean that's that's quite a lot of money but touring is quite specialist but at this lower end if you're looking around the 300 pounds marks so a 310 up to 320 there's the you know atomic salomon the big brands k2 all have boots in here Nordic has a speed machine range. So this is their, they make lots of different machine boots, different widths, this last of a boot. So this sits in that middle category, that 100 mil width across the forefoot. And then they're doing 85 boot, that's 320 pounds, but you get a lot of tech in there. Their liners are incredible. They use different kinds of plastics in the shell. They've got an infrared customization. So they, it's real techers in this boot for 320 pounds. It's pretty impressive. A great skiing sensation, but it is that easier flex. Somebody who's getting into skiing, maybe they've had one holiday already, they want to buy their own boots. So Nordica Speed Machine is what we're suggesting. This is available for men and women? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do different versions for men and women. So when we're talking about flexes, often you'll hear me say uh, a 115, for example. Let's, so when we're talking about flex, if it ends in a five, it's almost always a women's boot. And if it ends in a zero, it's almost always a men's boot. But that's generally how it works nowadays. That's just a naming convention by Yeah, the and it's only pretty recently that this has happened. It, it used to be that everything ended in a zero. And I think because ski boot names can be really long, this is a much easier than having to put women's, men's, whatever in the name. It just keeps okay. it short. And just, just to touch on this then, you know, we talk about women's and men's. This isn't just about the decals and the colours. The ski boots are actually designed in a different way. Absolutely right. So the easiest example of this is the calf on the back of your lower leg. On men, it's typically higher up the leg. On women, it is lower down. So the top of the cuff can be more sculpted for a lady's calf. It may have, we call it tuliping, so it's got a curve downwards at the top of the cuff, whereas men's will generally curve up at the top of the cuff and that's to accommodate that calf in there there's lots more going on but that's a really good example 
most women's boots will have a different shape at the top at the back. Okay, excellent. So the Nordica Speed Machine, um, you know, number one on the list. I'm going to put a link to that into the show notes as well. What's your second pick? We're actually going with Nordica again, and this is because it's a very, very specialist boot. There are other boots in this range. You know, every manufacturer has a medium volume, medium kind of price point boot. If anybody remembers skiing from decades ago, you had some amazing rear entry boots. Nordica makes a rear entry boot. It's not new. It's been around for a few seasons. And this is called the HF. And the HF stands for hands-free. There's, there, there's a men's and a women's that I'm going to focus on. Price point, it, it's £430. They do 110 men's and 85 women's. They do other flexes. But for this category of skier, maybe you don't get on with a, a regular Alpine ski boot. But this is so easy to get into. Other brands have tried to do rear entry in modern years and it hasn't worked. And Nordica have nailed it. Great adjustment, great fit. It doesn't have a power strap around the top on these, but you still get customization in the liner. You've got heat customization in the shell. So this is quite a big boot. It's 102 mil across the foot. It's high volume. I'm pretty sure I'm safe to say this because this, this boot doesn't exist yet. But they are coming out with a new boot called the HF Pro. So this is a narrower last. Don't get too excited. This is doesn't exist on the market yet. This is a boot for winter 24-25. But this is the narrow last. The fit on it is amazing. They've got slightly different adjustment. It's just it's just more techers. It looks really slim. It skis incredibly well. People think rear entry is not going to give you performance. The only stiffer boot sideways that Nordica makes next season is their race range. And this is a rear entry boot. That's pretty cool. So that HF Pro that you mentioned, uh, dare ask, is that something that you tried last week when you're in the Dolomites? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, and, that, and right. that, you know, it is exciting. They currently make a model called the HF Pro, that, which is just their stiff HF. That is not what the boot I'm talking of because they're dropping the Pro from that name. It is a completely new boot that they've got for next season. So what you're talking about here, the Nordica HF, you know, medium level, it's a rear entry boot. And like yeah. you said, like, most people who've been skiing for a while think of, uh, you know, boots that came out around the uh, 80s. So it makes it kind of sound, therefore, potentially dated. But you're telling me that the the, um, the performance that you get from this boot is, uh, you know, as good at that kind of price point as you would see in anything else. Honestly, it is a real, I thought it was going to be a bit of a dog when I skied it originally a few seasons <laughs> ago. I mean, I can't hide, hide my emotions around that. You get in it, you go, mm, and it's not, it's, it's amazing. It's a big volume boot. Nordica themselves even thought that it was really going to be maybe uh, somebody who's been skiing for decades. They're a bit older. They struggle to get into boots. But what we've seen in shops is that not, that it's not that at all. Young Younger skiers are getting into it. They do men's, they do women's. It skis really well. The fit is brilliant and it's so easy to get into. Right. I mean, I think for a lot of skiers, you know, that is a, a significant one. So, okay, that's a Nordica HF. So third third pick then. Uh, if, if you tell me it's going to be Nordica. No, it's not Nordica. I think this is about the best looking boot on the market. And I know others have a similar opinion. Do not buy a boot because of how it looks. Absolutely do not. But it's a bonus. This is a boa boot. It's a women's boa boot. Salomon have a new range for boa called the S Pro Supra. All of them look pretty good. The stand-up model for men really is probably the 120, but this 95 women's is a beautiful boot. And when I was skiing with 
female testers using it last year. It's very impressive. The wrap around your foot without the bow, just in the liner, the way they've designed the liner, the wrap and hold around your foot is incredible. But then you add in this boa dial closure that really can cinch the boot in. You get this whole hold, like a really firm handshake hold around your foot. You get an amazing reaction out of it. Fully customizable. You can heat mold the shell, the liner, loads going on. And actually the price point of £430, that's pretty good value. Question about that then. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit more expensive. Does that boa binding inherently make the boot more expensive? Every time. It's not even a question yet. Yeah, this season we are looking between some brands, K2, for example, Atomic, for example, they make a boa version and a buckle version of a boot. So we can see exactly what the difference is. So you're looking somewhere between 40 and 90 pounds difference for the same boot, just having boa instead of buckles around the foot. Yeah. Okay. Well, we covered that uh, again in episode 187. There are specific reasons uh, mm. for that. But, okay, best looking boot. That was the uh, Salomon S Pro Supra 95 for women. Uh, that was number three. What's number four on the list? At this end, want to focus on K2 here. K2 have really been upping their game in recent seasons. They've been working with Boa on snowboard side for years. So it's no surprise that they have Boa on. Their free ride boots on their Alpine boots. They're the only brand doing it on both categories of boot. But this is a piece boot. It's the Men's Recon 120. And it K2 just puts a lot of fun into skiing. They're not just your boring black. They've got color in it, but a massive technology. Their liners are really good this season. They call it multi-fit last so they say it goes from 97 to 104 106 mil and this is to do with the heat molding in it that's how you get the bigger end really it's a medium volume boot with boa that you can cinch down to wrap around your foot but it's the little details that you know the fact that they put claw straps on way more of their boots than other brands do it's expensive we love that they do that in between the liner and the shell there's something under the foot called the boot board in there, as you get little insets in the heel, it comes with a standard hard one for alpine skiing, but they give you a softer rubber one. So if it's a really hard packed day and you're finding it juddery or you're going to ski in the park, put that little bit of rubber in there. It sounds a very simple thing, but it makes a big difference when you're skiing. The thing that makes this recon stand out is exactly where they've put that boa dial. Some brands are further back along the foot and some brands are a bit higher, but this gives an insane level of wrap right along the length of your foot, right down to the toes. They've just nailed it. And this is the K2 Recon Boa 120. That's £550. They do it, you know, you can get like the 95 for women, which is a bit cheaper, 440 but it's that 120 boot for men is so impressive. Well, uh, the way you're saying putting the fun into skiing, it sounds like as well, though, a lot of thought a huge amount of thought has gone into the design there ranging from you know those uh those rubber inserts for your heels actual positioning of the boa to get that uh, you know perfect fit around your foot yeah yeah they've, uh, they've just got an absolutely bang on when you're testing products really important that you talk to other people to test it and you test it on more than one tester because of what you know a boot could work really well for me but not work for two or three of the testers and that's what's beautiful with this the recon series the mind benders you know they're free ride boots yes absolutely but this recon boot for men 
just works on such a broad spectrum of foot shapes. They've just done really well. Okay, and what sort of skier would you say that would be suitable for? Obviously, you picked out the men's there, 120. So really, you are going to be an advanced level skier on expert level skier for this. You can get stiffer boots from them, but but for that, somebody who's got a number of weeks skiing under their belt, they, they know how to feel a ski carving. If you're talking about on-piste or they already ski off-piste, that's the kind of person that would be looking at a 120 boot. If you're 60 kilos, I'd argue you may be a bit too light for it. But if you're 70 yeah. to 80 kilos, you're an advanced level skier, this is going to be absolutely brilliant. So this is going to be interesting. I'm going to uh, kind of make a, a kind of prediction now because you didn't say that that had, uh, you know, touring... Uh, pin options on that boot and you haven't mentioned any touring at all yeah so is your fifth boot going to be something to do with touring yeah it's a tour specific boot so i mentioned this yeah i got i got that right love that yeah yeah exactly and (laughs) i haven't mentioned free ride boots actually there's there's loads going on in the free ride space Um, i mentioned the mind better you know atomic have a have a brilliant new free ride boot there's a lot going on in that space but because of boa and because of what we're seeing in the sustainability story on Alpine Boots, it's really worth talking about those. Touring. So in case anybody isn't aware, touring is when some silly people, myself included, put skis on their feet to walk uphill. Brilliant idea. But to do that, you need more movement in the boot. Touring boots have often given you great movement going uphill, but can be really soft and not that dynamic and power driven when you're skiing down. Atomic have a backland range of boots. They've had it for years. They're pretty narrow. They're very specific on who they fit. They have a new boot, and it's based on their prime downhill boots. So it's their moder- medium 100 mil last. Touring boots normally have a short cuff. This has the same height cuff as the downhill boot. It's called the Backland Extend. They write it as Backland XTD. And the 120 version, it is incredible. I've seen people with long-standing loyalties to brands drop that brand like a stone to get into this boot people who are in a lightweight racing touring boot have set faster times on this which isn't a super light because of the way that the cuff works and sorry when you say set fast times you mean uphill right uphill yeah yeah faster (laughs) running up we call it ski running or ski mo ski mountaineering and they're going uphill faster in this boot that must be a combination of you're saying it's flexible but the weight of it must be a factor as well yeah when we're talking so for a lightweight tuning but you're generally looking at around a kilo or under a kilo this boot is 1380 grams in a size 26 in, in the ski boots we're talking about in centimeter length of your foot so size 26 it's got over 70 degrees they class it 74 degrees range of motion so here when the boot is in a walk mode that's how much if you flex the cuff all the way forward and flex it all the way back that range of motion that's what we talk about and that's 74 degrees but what is special with this boot if anybody owns their ski boots have a look at them from the back and you will see that the pivots the bit where the the cuff flexes forward and backwards when you're skiing relative to the shell those bolts or rivets that are there are not at the same level horizontally. And also they aren't parallel. They are cantered in, as in they're angled in. And touring boots have the same arrangement. So you try and flex something that has offset pivots, it won't move that freely. This is completely parallel. So if you put a spirit level between those holes, it will be level and they're completely parallel vertically. And the 
range of motion. I've seen people go into walk mode and fall over in this boot. It is so free, and that is what is special about it. And then it skis. It's a 120 flex, and it feels pretty close to a 120 flex downhill boot. Part of that is because it's got a tall cuff, tech materials. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. But it's so, expensive, £700. Yeah, I mean, £700 is expensive. I mean, when we were talking about skis, we were talking about, you know, touring skis uh, as well. Uh, have a feeling it was the uh, the Glen Plake Elan uh, model yeah. that you uh, was it the rip yeah uh, and then you've got to put a binding on that that's seven yeah and they, yeah but we talk about you know weight etc but if you're someone who's doing a lot of touring and taking it seriously then this is the type of boot that you're thinking about and you know you mentioned um, you know schemo there it's going to become you know lots of people do touring already and touring is becoming more popular but schemo ski mountaineering is going to be a sport at the winter Olymp the next winter olympics. Uh, in uh, Milan Cortina and that's going to bring it even more into the fore as well so I think we'll only see this you know going uh, further forward I did want to ask you a quick question so that sounds great that's the Atomic Backland Extend 120 now that's a full uh, touring boot we haven't kind of found space and I don't want to you know go into it too much but there's a, a hybrid option in between isn't there yeah. between like alpine boots and fully touring boots so do you just yeah. want to give us a, a bit of a sense for what you know that is yes so entering you've got movement this range of motion in the cuff downhill you want to be fixed and have that performance but brands may call it a free ride boot is probably the easiest way to talk about it so it is designed so it skis like a downhill boot but gives you a touring function closer to a tour boot they do not tour like a tour boot and you do lose some of this downhill skiing performance. But as a one boot to do everything, that part of the market, there are some amazing boots. I specifically haven't featured them in here. That There are some fantastic boots for this season. But because this, the touring segment, things like that Backland XTD, things like the, the new Scarpa Mastrella RS give you such good skiing performance with amazing touring, if that's the way you want to go, they're really good to look at now. But yeah, hybrid boot is really a free ride boot. See, I guess clarify the boot that I've been skiing on as of uh, last winter anyway is uh, an Atomic Hawks Prime Extend hybrid boot. So far, in my experience, it's worked brilliant for me. You know, I've yeah. been touring in it and um, I've done some pretty good off-piste uh, skiing in it as well where i really needed to be able to be completely you know on the skis and you know work perfectly uh, for me yeah for and that. if you're only going to do maybe half an hour an hour's skinning uphill that's a really good choice they're heavier but they give you a brilliant skiing experience and they are very very close to a regular downhill boot for how they handle performance skis on firm snow okay well i mean that is so interesting and i love talking to you uh, al uh, you know i know your knowledge is is possibly you know in in relation to all ski equipment uh things so to narrow it down you know, just to uh you know a few but i think hopefully this will be useful for listeners because we covered you know different areas from you know your, your first uh, ski boot to the absolute you know performance uh, models on there as well you know i really uh, appreciate that i just want to remind listeners you know that this episode of the podcast has been made possible by ls brigham uh, they have 16 shops around the UK. You can buy all the kit you need there at their website, ellis-brigham.com. However, this would be one of those uh, occasions where I don't actually recommend that you buy online. Uh, you know, as Al 
uh, said before, if you're getting a ski boot, you really need to have it uh, fitted. So, uh, you know, go into uh, one of the shops. There will be links in the show notes to all the boots we mentioned uh, here today. But I still think that going into a store, you know, is is very important. Now, I enjoy all feedback about the show. I'd like to know what you think, especially about these new uh, equipment episodes. So you can contact me on social at the ski podcast or by email the ski podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you like the podcast, there's two things you can do to help. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That actually helps other people find us. Or you can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, you might have found this equipment special just searching around. We actually have 197 episodes now to catch up with. And I had a look and 137 of those were listened to in the last week. So there's so much to listen to in our back catalogue. You can just go to theskipodcast.com, search around the tags and categories, and you're bound to find uh, something of interest to you. Now you can follow me at Skipedia, the podcast at the Ski Podcast. Uh, but for now, uh, I'd like to thank Al for joining me today. We're going to be back again with our third equipment episode. We're going to be focusing on uh, jackets. So I look forward to hearing what you have to say about that. But thanks so much for sharing all your knowledge about ski boots today. Uh, Ian, thank you for having me on. And I hope it's been useful, but it's it's just really exciting talking about this. You know, as we uh, clarified before, some of the information you're giving us is so hot off the breast that uh, it's not been mentioned uh, anywhere, only tested uh, last week. So that's what you're getting on the Ski Podcast. But finally, listener, thank you for joining us. I hope you found this episode useful. And until next time, goodbye.